This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. of the Four Stars Spurs podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week, we have Tommy. What's up? Uh, returning to the podcast, we have John. Nice to be with you, as always. And back again, we have Jeff. Hello. Well, I want to have a quick conversation, just an introduction to break the ice here. Um, we talked about it last week to break the ice, and it, it, it's still accurate today. So this is uh, so Conte is still undefeated in Premier League play. Despite whatever we're going to say about Wofford in just a couple minutes, we're still he's still undefeated in pr- the Premier League. How are you guys feeling about that? Well, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Um, the, the, the team is finally playing like I thought they could. Um, I was disappointed before he came along because they just didn't seem to be getting it together. But uh, he's had a huge impact on the, their attitude, their uh, their strengths. Uh, I think he's still got to work on a few things that was obvious from the last game. But uh, in general, I'm, I think he's the best one we've had for a long time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Tommy? Yeah, um, I assume we would have lost by now. And I remember talking to somebody and I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, aside from the Liverpool loss, and somebody's like, we actually tied against Liverpool. So I was like, oh, I completely forgot about that. So, yeah, this, I mean... I've said this before, just because we have no depth. This is, I don't care if you're Antonio Conte or you could, like any four of us managing. Anybody that gets a squad like this undefeated during a pretty rough run of games, especially during this congestion period, that's very impressive. Um, I've said it before, I've thrown Eric Dyer under the bus. He's looking pretty good so far. Let's hopefully he can continue this. Um, I'm, you know, defense has been showing everything up. Uh, midfield is still a little suspect at times. Harry Kane, he's slowly heating up now. Um, so I mean, overall, given the current state of the squad, current circumstances, and we're right, what? It's our third day into the transfer window. I really don't have any complaints. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, any thoughts to add before we uh, move it along to Watford? I I think we've kind of covered it in the last couple. But I mean, we're only two points out of the top four with Conte, which, you know, none of us would have believed by the time Nuno got kicked to the curb. So, again, he just keeps showing why he's a top five manager in the world. Well, in two points out of top four with uh, with, with two to three, even in some cases, three games in hand against some of the clubs that were uh, facing for, for for that top four. Um, so, so we're in good position. We just have to to win those games in hand coming up too. So, yeah, we, and we have kind of covered it the last uh, couple episodes. So we probably don't want to beat a dead horse too much. But it's nice to see us 
remain undefeated. Um, let's move the conversation along to this Watford match. So, uh, you know, we went into the, the weekend after kind of a disappointing uh, match, uh, also away uh, to Southampton. Uh, we, we got the draw there. Um, went to Watford. We knew that they were going to play a bit defensively, and and usually when a team plays defensively, what you want to do is get on the board fast and, and and force them to play your game instead of letting them play theirs. But that didn't quite work out here, and they certainly got to play their defensive game. Uh, they they drew us into that, and we certainly uh, showed our lack of creativity for breaking down a team that's uh, that's kind of parking the bus. Um, so. What were your guys' thoughts on this Watford match? Uh, let's start with John. Yeah, well, I finally breathed out. Um, I think it, it, not only the Watford game, but the second half of Southampton, I was—I uh, had my breath held, and I wasn't aware of actually breathing until we scored. It was, uh, it was a frustrating day, I think. I mean, Watford did try and frustrate us, but it was also frustrating by our inability to cross the ball. I mean, Emerson had more room than I've ever seen. And his, and he would, he was not pressed. He was able to cross what it, you know, with, without being harassed. And his crossing was just pathetic. Um, a number of times he missed the, you know, he, he did the wrong thing. All he needed to do is pump it towards the back post and we would have had, a lot of opportunities, but he didn't do that. And I'm glad that we won in the end, but I think that it has shown a great flaw in what we have. Um, up until now, I thought Emerson had crossed the ball quite well, and I don't know if he was told to do something different or whatever, but it was it was a dreadful display of, uh, of crossing, and that frustrated me. But um, it, it, Watford were uh, what we expected them to be, but we should have had a lot more opportunities if we'd been able to cross the ball properly. Uh, Tommy? Yeah, John, I'm on the same boat. The thing about the match, though, is, and I'm going to talk about the topics from my point of view. Watford, uh, as Anthony noted in the past, or last week's episode, they've lost their last six matches, correct? Uh, Six, including this match against us. Okay. So, and there's, what, 17th at the table at the time, so any point which would include a tie is gravy for them because that's all they need is just points. So, clearly they're playing for the tie. They were packing it in. Fair enough. Classic Spurs of the most past recent, like, five, six years, they can't beat a team that parks the bus. Uh, You know, it is what it is. But my biggest, it, the thing with the crosses, yeah, Emerson Royal, he didn't get, his crossing game was not great. I am more than willing to admit that. But the other thing that aggravated me at the most, aside from Harry Kane, sometimes Son, somebody, some other people, like, aside from Harry Kane, there was nobody else going into the box. And so you make, so because of that, you make Emerson Royal look like a friggin' fool because of that. So I'm like, and because the fact that we have, what, two games at hand, as of right now, two points from the top four, I'm like, we have to go for it, especially for a team like Watford. Um, Southampton, I mean, it's already been discussed, but I'm like, with Watford, I'm like, you can 
they haven't been scoring goals anyways. So the idea, or where is it? They've only scored 22 goals this year, by by the by according to the stats. So a little over a game or a goal a game. So I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if it's because of instruction from Antonio Conte or the players, but I'm like, I've been complaining about that with the players as well. Why aren't a lot of them just crashing into the box to begin with? Minus the potential instruction from Antonio Conte. I'm like, this was a prime game for them to beat them. Unfortunately, the result of one no with a late winner, I'm not horribly surprised just because like I said, and, and historically, uh, recent time, can't seem to dislodge those teams that park the bus. So, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, traditionally, and since we still have a lot of people from Pochettino's squad, we usually win pretty. So the fact that we didn't win pretty with this game and some other games in the past, I'm okay with that because the team, because let's be fair, a mark of a great team you should learn how to win pretty, but it's like there's nothing wrong with with them grinding out a win as well because that shows what champions are made of. Let's give a, let's let John make a quick response before we go to Jeff. Yeah, I was just going to say very quickly. I, I think one of the reasons for and, and you're right, Tommy, but one of the reasons that uh, we did have that problem is that Lucas Mora had the poorest game he's had in a long time. Um, he's been looking wonderful. Uh, he did not look good against Watford. He looked a bit slow and a bit sluggish. And um, that had a huge impact, I think, on um, on what was going on. So, anyway, that's my that's my quick bit. What about you, Jeff? Um, yeah, I agree, John, with you that, um, you know, Royale's crossing was horrible. And a couple games ago, his crossing was really good. So, it's weird that he was so Jekyll and Hyde in this one. And, Tommy, I agree with you. The forwards were standing around almost the entire game. This game was really slow. I mean, um, we didn't really get, you know, the ball movement was slow. Players were standing around. The crosses were slow. The other thing is that we started our regular midfield again, right, of uh, Hoiberg and, and Skip, which is fine, except that, you know, in a game like this, they're the same guy, right? You're missing somebody to, to give you the incisive passing. Um, and uh, since Ndombele didn't even get off the bench again, again, it's another sign that he's probably out the door. Um, they did bring Lacelso in late, and he was there on the pitch. I, he didn't really do a lot. He didn't have a lot of time to, to do anything. But it's interesting that Winks was the first one off the bench to try to add some passing spark. Um which shows, you know, what Conte thinks of him. But, you know, with with all three of those things combined, the bad crossing, the, you know, no great passing coming in from the midfield and out and forwards just standing around, that just made a super slow one nothing game. Yeah, and I agree with you guys that I think the the Emerson and Regulon both, like, looked bad with their crosses even though Regulon didn't have very many, he, he didn't get a lot of opportunity and more of the attacks came through the right. Um, but uh, what I, always drives me nuts, like you, you you have your forwards just standing around like you guys say, and it, clearly the crossing's not working, whether you want to blame Emerson, whether you want to uh, blame the forwards, or pro- more likely a combination of the both. 
at a certain point, you've got to change up what you're trying. And, and instead of just crossing the ball all the time, you got to try and drive the ball into the box. Like, I mean, uh, like they're, they're sitting back, just try and force your way in, get them to make a foul on you, get, get them to, to kick the ball the wrong direction and let it fall uh, into to somebody's feet accidentally. Like you can make something happen by just, trying to drive into the box. And I know this is Lucas isn't on this episode, but this is a favorite topic of his uh, at a certain point. Like, yeah, like crosses are important, but uh, it's not the only way to attempt to score when a team is uh, uh, playing a defensive match. Um, and we didn't seem to want to try anything else. Like even Lucas, who normally is the only guy trying that, uh, even he didn't uh, do much of that this match. Uh, um uh, John, you look like you wanted to jump in there. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there was anything wrong with the tactics. I mean, why would you change uh, getting the ball out on the right to Emerson when he had so much space and time? Um, it's just what he did with the ball that was disappointing. But they gave him acres of space on the, on that right wing, and he should have been able to do more than uh, – the team should have been able to do more with that room that he had. And that, that, you know, that's that's my feel on it. Tommy, you look like you were going to say something. Oh, I was actually going to say something, but I was like, the point kind of had been drilled home, so I was, I was like, nah, forget it. <laughs> okay, well, um, let's talk. Uh, oh, oh, Jeff, you wanted to jump in there. Just real fast, it was interesting that Watford doubled Reggion throughout the game. You know, they... They were more than willing to let Royale have all the space on the right, but they shut Reggion down every time he went forward, um, which is kind of interesting to see what other teams think of Reggion because I know he's kind of runs hot and cold with Spurs fans, but other teams respect him. Yeah, and, and that is interesting. I mean, I think he only – I saw the stat he only had like six crosses, <laughs> like uh, I all, all of them obviously in, incomplete, uh, but um, – he didn't have that much of the ball. And uh, and all I would say is, like, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with a crossing tactic when they're giving us that much space on the right, but that doesn't mean that you can't one every three or four plays instead of just trying to do the same cross that hasn't been working to try and drive the ball into the box and take on a man instead of, uh, um, instead of the cross. Because um, they get comfortable sitting back and... Uh, get comfortable guarding and the, the, they you, sometimes you have to make the the opposition uncomfortable when they're when when their game plan is is working they were keeping us off the board but ultimately we did uh it took until what the 92nd minute i think it was let me double check that um but yeah um it was the, the i'm sorry the 96th minute <laughs> Um, I think it was their second minute back after uh, after that long delay that happened that 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 caused like eight minutes of added time, and uh, Davison Sanchez, uh, well, Son took Davison Sanchez on a, a free kick, and and I, I paid up for set piece roulette, and <laughs> um, bought a round of shots for everybody. Um, what a relief that was. What would you guys think on this goal? Let's talk about the goal just a little bit. Uh, Tommy? Yeah, that was the thing that it kind of – I wanted to drive point, the point home from what you said. Like, nobody was taking anybody on. 
Son got that foul because he took somebody on, which created the free kick, therefore the assist and goal. So I'm like, and I've been complaining about this in the past, where why isn't the team taking anybody on? You know, it's we definitely have the skill. Def, I, I get it. The midfield is not looking good right now, so that might be the reason to be hesitant. But the back line, back three or back five, whatever you want to call it, has been very solid since Conte took over. So I'm like, I don't know what the deal is that is with that. But and by looking at the, I mean. As John said earlier, that free kick, though, and Sanchez heading it in, that was a sigh of relief. And I I don't know how that happened, but, like, the fact that Sanchez just got higher than everybody else and got that goal, it was like, you can kind of tell, like, right when he jumped, like, A, he was going to get in, B, I'm like, this, is, this has to go in. Thankfully, it did. But, yeah. Uh, John, what did you have? Yeah, and... Tommy, I've got to say something straight away. Um, it's not a tie, it's a draw. You're starting to sound like Ted Lasso, man. Um, Sorry, I'm American. It's not a I good say. thing. Which is not a good thing. But you say you can't take people on. You know, in general, in soccer, the uh, the better play is not to take somebody on, but to pass to somebody in space. Because you take somebody on, you stand the chance of losing the ball. And... Uh, Whilst I agree that they didn't do much of that, I can understand why. I mean, in general, a tactic would not be to actually take somebody on if there's somebody else you can pass it to that's open. And that's, you know, I think that was what was going on. Well, my principle or my reason for that is, like, whenever Lucas Mora takes somebody on, at least, whenever he does, I don't know, I'm throwing out a number, maybe 60% out of the time, he usually ends up drawing a foul, which is great for us. So that creates the free kick or creates the potential opportunity. But also, if you take somebody on, say if you make a few moves here or there, you create more space. So that gives you more opportunity to pass. So, like, I mean, for argument's sake, if Emerson Royale took, I, I don't, I forget the uh, left back, but if he took him on a few times, you know, we know that he has speed. So if he made a few moves and then got ahead a little bit, he could have been closer to the box and had a better cross coming in. That's my argument. I'm not saying, I'm just saying this gives us the chance for more opportunities elsewhere, whether it be to get a more accurate cross, get a free kick, get a penalty, etc. Even though I do get your logic. Yeah. Well, let, let's go to MVP, LVP, and I'm going to start with Jeff first for MVP. Uh, my MVP actually was Yudo. Um, that save he made on Josh King on that that uh, bullet that King shot, I thought that was a great, amazing save, especially considering Hugo had all the time just to sit back and smoke cigarettes for most of this match, right? So, like, for days. The 85 minutes that nothing happened, that you know, the, the couple minutes when we needed them, that really came up huge. So, um, I thought that was a world class save. Yeah, no, good, excellent shout there. Uh, let's go to John next. Yeah, I think Hugo deserves a shout, but I'm going to give it to Sanchez. Um, he's playing extremely well in that back three now. 
And I was not a fan of him when he started. I've got to confess, I thought he made too many mistakes, but he has come on and done so well. And he had a superb game on uh, on on Sunday, and and he scored a goal. So I'm I'm with Sanchez on that. Oh, Tommy. Yeah, I'm on the same boat as John. Uh, pretty much summed up everything I said. It, and it's not even a goal, like how he said, defensively, he's been sound. Um, it's going to be a bit, bit, bit tricky for Conte when Romero comes back at the end of January because he's starting training now. But Sanchez at least has been proving his worth defensively and warrants that he still deserves a place in the squad. Um. So whether if Davis or Dyer gets kicked out or if it's him, we'll see. But I'm the past few matches seeing him play, I've been impressed. Um, he's doing everything more or less that we've asked for. He's been defending with sound, whether it be positioning or say his speed, he's caught up with the defend or with the opposition. So yeah, hats off to him. But I will mention what Jeff said uh with with Hugo. I think he's done great as well. He's he's been saving our asses literally, literally and figuratively. So, um, whether it be Watford or previous matches, so that's that's an honorable mention as well. So I do agree with that. Yeah, uh, I, I'm going to make it even split, and I I'm going to give it to Hugo. I I just think uh, in a match like this, like where um, it's going to be a, a one goal at the at the last possible moment uh, as the difference maker, um, those saves were so key because we could have easily lost this or been fighting to draw at the end, which would have been even more difficult um, than, than it already was. So I, I, I got to give mine to, to Hugo. Uh, let's go to LVP next and start with uh, Jeff. Oh, well, I think we all touched on it. It was Royale, right? With the, the not very good crossing this game. Um, you know, uh, Watford pretty much dared him to beat them, and uh, he couldn't do it. So he was my LVP. Yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely understand that pick. Uh, John? Yeah, I'm not going to give it to uh, to Emerson because he did do well defensively. But I think the player who disappointed me the most, who really didn't do much, was Regulon. Um he he seemed to be off, and uh, he lacked energy, and he wasn't uh, he wasn't doing the same probing runs that he normally does, and uh, I was disappointed with him. So I'm going to go with regular. Yeah, and it, it's interesting that we have uh, two uh, well fullbacks or, or I guess wingbacks uh, that that have been picked so far. Uh, Tommy, who do you have? Yeah, I'm on the same boat with John again as well. Uh, I think Royale was not great, but I mean, realistically, looking at things, I think Regulon was by far worse. So sorry, but it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I think you're probably right, Jeff, that it has to be Royal, but um, but I, I I'm having a really hard time not giving it to Sun. Um, and granted, I. I, I just want to caveat this with the fact that Sun uh, is never good in these matches. When when a, the opposing team is going to play negative football, sit back, park the bus, 
uh, it's just not the right game for Son, and maybe maybe he shouldn't have even been in this. And I do know ultimately it was his uh, him taking on a man that got the the foul that got got us the the, the Sanchez goal. So it, um, that's why I can't in good conscience give Son my LVP. <laughs> but I think he would have been if it hadn't been for that that one moment in this match. Um, just because it was not good. He wasn't making good runs. He wasn't doing anything intelligent in the box. He wasn't, like, uh, heading to, in a good direction for Emerson to cross to. Um, but uh, just because that one moment, I can't give it to him, so I will give it to, to Emerson Royal. And, again, we're going to have a, a split down the middle here for, for MVP and LVP. Um, any final thoughts on Watford before we move the conversation along? Okay, um, so um, this does bring us to, to half. We are, we do have uh, both the Carabao Cup Chelsea uh, away fixture and the FA Cup uh, Morecambe uh, home uh, fixture to preview in the second half. But first, we are going to go to Tommy's back page update and have a live conversation about some of the transfer rumors that are out there. So, so Tommy, take it away. Thanks, Anthony. Um, as noted, my name is Tommy, and this is your back page update. So um, I do have four stories that we will discuss. Um, first things first, though, I did look on uh, – anybody is on Facebook like my – actually, we're all on Facebook. But um, one of the pages that I like is 442. It's a British magazine that's been around since, like, 94. They talked about how much could we spend in January as – or as in the EPL. So one of the interesting things about that is base it off of um, it's in accordance to financial fair play. So I'm going to give you the two or four teams that are, uh, that can spend in theory, 200 million pounds. Um, Arsenal, 201 million. Chelsea, 241 million. Liverpool, 273. Man United, 243. They're not even number one on the list. Number one on the list is us, a.k.a. Tottenham Hotspur. Anybody, whether it be Anthony, John, or Jeff, you want to venture on how much we, in theory, could spend this January? Uh, I have uh, absolutely no idea. I, I did see a figure a couple months ago, but I have no memory of what it was. Uh, well, this is what, this is yeah. hypothetically, if Levy wasn't at the club and Joe Lewis didn't own it. <laughs> yeah, and I think yeah. that it's a, uh, it's a very difficult question to answer because we don't know um, how much of an impact last season has had currently. We don't know what their debt situation is. We don't know how the company itself is doing. Um, I do think on the other side that Conte would not have come had he not had some kind of assurance that we would be um, investing in the market. But as to a straight answer to your question, Tommy, I haven't got a clue. Fair enough. Oh, but um, one thing I didn't omit from this, it's an estimate of their net profits of the past 10 years based on income, outcome, and how Daniel Levy control the club, club. So I want to give you a snippet. The only time, or we usually spend 
we usually break even more or less when it comes to transfers. Or if we lose money in the transfer window, it's because we spend like an extra 20, 40 million pounds. Regardless, allegedly, we have 400 million pounds to spend. And you got to remember this. For example, if it was this summer, it'd probably be 350 million pounds because of Romero, because he's on loan right now and it's an obligation to buy. So because of Lee, he's done a bunch of creative accounting, whether it be getting Getter as the like the training top sponsor, Cinch as a sponsor, um, selling a bunch of players off, etc. So think about that 400 million. Um, I don't believe that Daniel Levy is going to spend that much, of course, like many Spurs fans, but I think he'll open the wallet up, <laughs> excuse me, whether it be this January or this summer. But let's talk about the first one. So um, with each story, I'll mention the story and then we can have a brief conversation. Um, first one, as we know, this past weekend, uh, Chelsea striker Romelu Lukaku, apparently he's rumored to reunite with Antonio Conte at Spurs. As we know, I think I think it's a big load of rubbish because A, Chelsea's not going to sell to us. B, we need a striker aside from Harry Kane, so this is an easy news piece. And, of course, the story, it, you know, it's A plus B equals C, so why not? But anybody have any thoughts on this one? Well, uh, I'll jump in. Like, I, I think the rumor is that he, he would only come if Harry Kane was leaving in the summer. Um, so for me as a replacement for Harry Kane, I don't like Lukaku as Lukaku in addition to Harry Kane. I think that that could be one hell of a, like a a two striker pairing. And you know, when Harry Kane's ankle blows out, uh, late (laughs) in the season, um, you still have Lukaku who can, who can be your striker. Um, but, um, I wouldn't want to see him as our only option. I, I do think at least in premier league play, it certainly hasn't applied in Italy when when he's gone, but in premier league, he does have this tendency to, um, only score in the, um, uh, the, the easy matches uh, or the bottom of the table matches. Um, and he scores a lot in those matches uh, and looks really good. And, and we need to be able to win those matches. And we've struggled with them in the past, which I think would be great about Lukaku. Um, but um, if we're going to seriously challenge for top four and challenge for the league next year, if if Lukaku was our only striker option or the, the number one, and as opposed to Harry Kane being the number one, I don't know if I would be satisfied with that one. Um, I think... Jeff was jumping in next, and then we'll go to John. I was just going to say, I don't think there's anything to this one. Chelsea spent almost £100 million to bring him in, and they're paying him $350,000 a week. I don't see us doing either one of those things. But even if we did, I don't think Chelsea would sell him to us. I don't think they would sell him within the Premier League. So this one doesn't, doesn't ring true. That seems more logical to me, Jeff. Uh, but J- John, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna I was gonna respond to this with a question, and that is, when have Chelsea ever sold a supplier that would improve our team? And the answer is never. And I don't yeah. see that changing. Well, I mean, we were shitty at the time, but didn't we get uh, Poyet? Didn't he come from Chelsea back in like the early two thousands? Who? Uh, Gus Poyet. 
Was it in front of uh, I think he did, but I think they thought he was over the hill by that point. Which I know, I but he think... still probably he probably would have provided he still probably provided a benefit to us. Yeah, that's probably why he sold. I, I can see that, but in general, I can't see. As with many Premiership clubs, they're loath to sell players that would improve other teams, um, and consequently, they got higher prices put on them and the whole transfer thing becomes more difficult. Fair enough. Yeah, I okay. think it's a long shot. You guys are completely right about that. But let's, um, let's but it, it's, not, it's a nice fantasy uh, <laughs> thing to think about. Like, oh, what would it be like to have two le- legitimate number one strikers? Um, I'm next, sorry, go ahead, Tommy. Uh, next one... Um... This is from Fabrizio Romano. He usually has a lot of rumors flying around, um, but he also is, he's usually, he has, I would say he has a reputation of there's weight to his rumors because he's very in the know. But apparently we're still interested in Wolves uh, winger Adama Traore. So uh, uh, Lucas, he would love that, as in uh, Lucas from Four Star Spurs. So, I don't know. Anybody have any thoughts? I mean, we can. I mean, I don't really. I think Doherty has done okay, but I'm like, Triori would I probably be the right wing back in this formation, and he would and he would fill in what I have always said: take people on. He definitely takes people on. So I don't know. Anybody have any thoughts? I mean, right now I think they're what eighth in the table, so they. They probably would sell to us because they don't have the aspirations as we do. But, John, what do you got? I think there's legs to this for a couple of reasons. One, he's not starting at Wolves. Um, He's coming on as a sub. When he was playing last year when I saw him, I thought he was sensational. Um, He can cross the ball beautifully. He's a good right wing back. Um, I think he's what we need. He seems to be out of sorts at the moment. Uh, That could be because he's not starting. I don't know, but uh, I think he'd be a great addition. I'd like to see it. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, I agree with John. I think there there are legs to this one. We know that supposedly we were in on him in the summer, but Wolves wanted too much money. Um, you know, Nuno wanted him here, um, and Paredici wanted him in Italy when he was there with Juventus. So um it wouldn't surprise me. He'd be a really interesting player. He's never had the end product, but maybe under in Conte's system he would. But at least he would draw defenders to him and open up some more space for the forwards, which would be really good. So I'd be in favor of it. It'd be an interesting gamble. Well, this is certainly like one of the most polarizing players when it comes to coming to Spurs. And, and yes, he lacks that end product from everything that we've seen at Wolves with him. Um, but um, the, the talk about moving him to the um, to the right wing back position, I could see that being a very effective option. And as as you guys have pointed out, being able to create that space by uh, drawing players. I mean, he's just extremely tough to get the ball off of and he can he can run at players and he run into space um it generally give the opposing team fits they're afraid of him because of how large he is like it uh, players don't want to get in with him just because of the the brute force that comes with him um 
I think it really could work well with a Conte system. Um, and it, if Conte wants him, I, I want him. Like, um, the, the, despite what feelings I might have about his final product. Like, uh, if Conte wants him, I want him. And, and at the asking price that we're hearing, like, I think it was like 21, 22 million or something at this point, um, I, I would go for it. Uh, uh, like, I think it's a, it's good at that price. Not the four, not necessarily the 45 that was being talked about uh, to 50 over the, uh, the, the summer, but at this asking price, yes. Fair enough. Okay. So last or second to last one. Um this would be a loan move, but according to Calcio Mercado, apparently Jose Mourinho wants uh Tangi and Doble to come back on loan with a thirty million option to buy. Um as we all know he is not high on the list for Antonio Conte. Uh, this gives him out. My only issue is we bought him for 60-some million pounds. If it's 30 million with an option to buy, will Daniel Levy bite at that? I think if it was like mid-40s or higher, he at least entertained the offer. With this, eh, I'm kind of skeptical. Just because, And also his contract is up. I think in 2025. So that might be a lot harder to move his contract. John? Um, yeah, I think as a project, we've given, uh, we should give up on him, quite honestly. Um, he's played under three managers. He hasn't been getting good time with any of them. I'm told he's the most talented footballer we have on the team. Um, but he does not perform that way when he's on the field. Uh, we paid a lot of money for him. And, you know, if Mourinho is starting the negotiation at 30 million, um, I'm sure it can go up from there. Um, I think if we can get some money for him and uh, he goes and plays in another league, uh, I wouldn't lose any sleep over it, quite honestly. I mean, we've given him a lot of opportunities and he hasn't taken any of them. Jeff? Um, yeah, I mean, I've said a bunch of times that I am team and Dombele. I, I still think he has a lot of talent. I would rather get rid of Lacelso than him. Honestly, Lacelso, at the very least, he's not made glass like Lacelso is. But um, based on the last couple games, uh, it doesn't look like he fits into Conte's plans at all. So I assume he will be leaving either in January or this summer. I just don't know, like you said, Tommy, that Levy's going to take half price for him. That doesn't sound Levy-like. Um, if if it happens, then it shows Brad that he has more power than we than we thought he did. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd expect him to go. I don't know if he'll go to Roma, but he's going somewhere um, by the summertime. Well, and I think swap deals are extremely rare, but I think this might be the type of ideal player to, to send in a swap deal. Um, not that I think we're going to get anything that's going to be uh, um, it, the, the perfect fit for Spurs back, um, but I think that we could get like a, like a, a, a player that's going to get more minutes than Ndombele is getting for us now um, of similar character. I mean, obviously we've heard the like, Coutinho rumors like uh, that, that that's been a rumored swap um, there's there's been other um, um, 
Dembele uh, uh, also um, uh, has been rumored as a swap deal, and that that, uh, that would have been like to add a right back, which I, I don't see us doing if uh, um, if we do bring in Treori. But um, I think we might have to look at those options. Uh, either that, or we're going to have to eat some salary and uh, to, to send them away. But in, unless we take on somebody else's uh, uh, dead wood, um, but yeah, they value in other people's dead wood. I was actually thinking of the other option is send them to Barcelona because <clears throat> even though they're so poor, they can't pay attention or they're so poor they can't have air conditioning, so they lick it up, blow it a pop- popsicle stick to get air conditioning. South Park reference. Um, but, you know, apparently they haven't really learned their lesson from not paying because apparently they want to get, like, Halan and some other people. So I'm like, if they're willing to spend money, get them to Barcelona and go to the highest bidder and let, bidder and let them thrive there. But I don't know. Like, I'm kind of with you guys. <clears throat> Excuse me, Conte was willing to work with him, but it sounds like he's not really responding. He respond, or it seemed like he was responding to the tough love that uh, Maria was doing, but I don't know. Sucks. Anybody have any final thoughts on this one before the, we got the last story? Uh, nope. Go ahead. <clears throat> okay, so Anthony did note uh, swap. So this one is my favorite, and Jeff noticed noted this before because I'm a big Sweden fan, of course. Um, apparently, Spurs or the rumor is Spurs want to swap Giovanni Lacelso. Of course, he, we all know he's very talented, but he's not doing well and he's injured, so let him thrive elsewhere. But apparently, the option is to swap him with attacking midfielder um, from Juventus, uh, Dejan Kulishevsky. Um, People might think, oh, yeah, he's playing in Italy right now. That makes sense. The other thing is um, Paratici, he actually scouted Kulishevsky when he was at, at, at Atalanta, and he was the one that actually brought him in to sign at Juventus in the middle of a, a what the season, two seasons ago. Um, so for me, um, brief scouting report, Kulishevsky, he's like six foot two. Huge guy, not that fast, but highly technical. Um, he does create space for himself. He does take players on, as I like. Um, he can play multiple positions. He can play central midfield, attacker, or winger. Uh, I'll probably be winger or central midfield, but, you know, we'll see. Somebody did bring up an interesting note in a YouTube comment, because I was watching some video on him uh, from Juventus the other day. Somebody said, like, he has technique, and uh, the way he bounces off of defenders, it's similar to Moussa Dembele. For argument's sake, if that was true, and, uh, like, um, we never had anybody that truly replaced Moussa Dembele yet. So, this could be it, I'm hoping, and I have, he's only 21, so I have high hopes. And as a Sweden fan, I have high hopes as well, so... I'll be the first one to say it. Kind of like Zlatan Ibrahimovic before. If we somehow get Kulishevsky, I will get his jersey. But let's open this up. Who wants to who wants to talk about it first? John? Yeah, yeah, Tommy. I think that uh, we're not going to bring people in without letting people go. 
Um, that's the way Spurs is, and, and I think that it's necessary. Right. And the the two that I think are probably on the chopping block that they're the easiest are Celso and then Dembele. Um, you know, there may be some other movement, but we could get decent money for those two. And I don't think, for whatever reason, they're not working out. I think Celso's getting injured um, a lot, and that can be uh, detrimental to his career as well as the team. And I can see a couple of others that that may be going that we won't get a huge amount of money for. But if we are going to bring people in that are expensive, we're going to sell people that are, that are expensive. And I think Lacelso's on that list. So whether we switch him for this guy or whether he goes somewhere else, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Jeff. Yeah, I really want this to happen for Tommy. <laughs> Just that I want to see him run around in his Kulishevsky jersey. Um, it Thank be, you. Well, you're welcome. He, I mean, he's young. He's got a lot of upside. Um, you know, and Conte may be able to bring the best out of him. And it would be great to have a tall guy on the team. Whatever we line up for set pieces, you know, we always look like a bunch of midgets against uh, against other teams, especially like West Ham. Um It'd be good to get some more taller guys around the back. Um, he is a skilled attacking midfielder, which is something we could certainly do with since the two that we have uh, apparently will never play again. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. Like, I don't know whether the swap deal is uh, feasible this window, um, whether there's enough time to work it out or whether it would have to wait till the summer, but... Um, but it's definitely worth trying, and uh, if if we can cut ties with Lacelso, who's been nothing but injured for us, um, and just al- always on international break and always coming back injured from international break, um, uh, like if we could do that, then I'm all for it. Like I'm I'm ready to try somebody different. Like if they if they and I do think it could be good for both clubs because I think Lacelso might play well in Italy, uh, warmer climate, um, slower Plays more play. open too. Yeah, it plays more open, slower play, less physical for the most part. I think it could all benefit him a lot. So um, it could be good all around. Sounds good. Okay, that's all I have. Um, Anthony, you said there was a question, right? Yeah, yeah. So we have a question from from the, um, uh, the, the, the Twitter account that I call Big Bird, uh, AP two, three, eight, seven, one. He asks, uh, can you give us a roundup on what we can expect this transfer window? I think we've kind of done that, but what I'll add to that part before I go into the second part of his question, um, some of the other rumors that we have floating around there are, are Golini uh, going back to Atalanta and uh, um, in lo- being loaned out someplace else that we're going to cut ties with them. There's been the, the ongoing rumors of uh, Frank uh, Kessie coming in as a midfielder option. And also the rumors t- uh, today were that uh, possibly Hugo has signed a one-year extension. Um but I, that hasn't been confirmed yet. So uh, hopefully, within the next couple of days, that we might we might hear some confirmation that we at least have uh, Hugo for another uh, year extension, uh, which would at least get us through the Conte time period. Uh, any other kind of uh, um, transfer rumor roundup before we go to the second part of the question, John? Yeah, I'd like to talk about Galini. Um, uh, the rumor is that the club are finding that he's not as good as they thought he was going to be. 
And I would say that having seen him play on a couple of occasions, he hasn't exactly uh, filled me with confidence. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was true, but he is on loan. So we can move him back um, and take a stab at somebody else. But I, I can see that happening. That seems to make sense to me. Jeff? Um, I was just going to say there's three positions that keep coming up with the, the Spurs beat Raiders are you know, left-footed cornerback to back up Davis and compete with him, um, an attacking right wing back, which we kind of covered with the Traore or anybody else idea, and then a, a forward um, to compete with Harry or play up front um, in a two. Um, I don't know if Spurs will get them all in January, though. That's going to be the interesting thing to see um, what we really get out of this window. Well, in in the last part of Big Bird's question is like what seems to be Conte's overarching strategy. Um, we've already kind of covered the other parts of it, like who should we be letting go of and who do we really need to obtain. Um, but um, but he what seems to be Conte's overarching personnel strategy? Um, uh, any uh, thoughts on that? Uh, 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 to tack onto what Jeff just said, Tommy. Yeah, I think the biggest issue though is what what Levy's going to do because, as we all know, signing a player in the winter transfer window is going to be more expensive. So, I wouldn't be surprised with whomever we get, it whether it be Kulishevsky, whatever. I wouldn't be surprised if we got these. Whatever player we get, they're just band-aids for the rest of the season. We can see them as in the future. So, like in the past, we've made um, signings like Lucas Moore. Like he didn't play much in that end of that or that second half of the season, and then he finally got fully integrated to play the next season. As an example, um, Wilson Palacios was probably one of the last winter signings that I remember. Where who he where he just started immediately and made an immediate impact. Um, I would be more inclined to believe that we get some players on loan who are willing, who are at the tail end of their contract, um, so they can impress for a future suitor in the summer, or maybe we buy them, um, or maybe they it can get them to come into or. Uh, get them back into their respective uh, national team for the World Cup next winter. I think that might be another one. Um, and, like, we've heard rumors before, like, as Anthony said, with Frank Kessie, uh, Vlaovic from Fiorentina, et cetera. Those players are at the end of the contracts. I don't think we're going to do what we did in the past, where, like, what we did with Lewis Holpe. We paid, like, at that time, we paid a few million to Schalke, and then he came over. I don't... I think Prodigy and Levy probably, or in Conte, probably have a general understanding of whether it be Vlaovic, Kessie, or whoever, will wait for them in the summer instead of paying for the full contract. But that's just me. Jeff, you had your hand up? I was just going to say, if we get Vlaovic, that's my jersey, Tommy. That's the one I'll pick up right away. I do not blame you. Well, I, I think probably more as an overarching strategy, I... I, I think Conte wants to make moves right now because clearly he's not satisfied with the squad as is. He's getting decent results, uh, um, 
I mean, a lot more draws than he probably wants, but he's obviously undefeated in the, in the league. He's getting results out of this squad, but I think he wants pieces now to assure top four because he wants Champions League next year, which is going to make that summer window um, way more appealing to, to players to, to come in, uh, whereas where he'll spend the big money. But I could see us making some moves now and maybe some backloaded moves that uh, maybe we pay a little bit more for these guys, um, but we're going to backload some of the payments uh, to to over the next window. Um, so we get them now, but 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 pay uh, uh, defer some of the money to that, to, to la- I, later. You brought up an interesting point, Anthony. I didn't think about it until now because, for example, say if I don't know, we get whomever. And like that person's valued at fifty million, but we pay sixty million. We tell that club we'll pay that sixty million because it's the winner, but we stretch out that payment for five years instead of like two, three years. And with us, that gives us a extra cash flow, b additional time for us to come up with revenue, additional revenue. And I mean, for argument's sake, the pandemic could be over in five years, God willing. So, which means that we will get more revenue that way. And then because of that, the uh, the hit will be less financially. John? Yeah, Tommy, I don't think you're going to out-negotiate Levy. Um, the, oh, God, no. This is something that comes into every single negotiation as to how the how the fee is paid for. Rarely is it reported in the press. They just report the gross number. But in most cases, there is that there are payouts over a length of time rather than one lump sum. At least that's my understanding. Yeah, because I remember, oh, John, you're aside, or you're probably the longest tenured Spurs fan. So I forget what payment it was, but it was against Portsmouth. But uh, I, I think it was the, Jermaine Defoe. When we sold him, Portsmouth were like, we'll pay over a few years. But the fact that they were in administration, they're like, okay, we'll pay you everything else up front now because we have no money or something. I forget. It was something along those lines. So, yeah, I think so- what we did was we offered to pay them less than we owed them in total, but that they would get it all up front. Oh, yes. I think that makes more sense. And Yeah, and it was Defoe. I don't think we've done any transfer business with uh, with Portsmouth apart from Defoe, Kabul. maybe Crouch, to, but I'm not sure when he nope. played for them and us. Yeah. Well, uh, any final thoughts on the um, how, how this window could go? Um, I think some outgoing play, players, some incoming, and some creativity in, in how how we pay for those guys and looking at the long term, so, like get get top four, be competitive now. Um, so we can really make a, a push for maybe the league and a few cups next year. I think that's kind of what the uh, the, the the goal is, um, and it, it, it it's a balancing act of how much we do now and how much we do over the summer. Um, but interesting topic, and thank you for the question as always. Um, but let's move the conversation along into this. Um, we have two matches to preview, and we are going to start with the Carabao Cup uh, League Cup match against Chelsea away this Wednesday. Uh, so 
Um, so we take on uh, Chelsea away Wednesday. Um, I won't go into their place in the league because that does not matter in this competition. But um, but we know that they are um, uh, have a little bit of a dip in form. A couple draws uh, to Liverpool and Brighton most recently. Some wins prior to that and a draw to Wolves. Um, we know that their uh, top goal scorer right now is Mason Mount. And uh, Jorginho is uh, right behind him with six. And Lukaku's up there, but we don't know how much he'll be playing after some of uh, the, what's happened over the last week. Um, Mount, James, Mount and James are also their top playmakers at this point. Um, and we haven't been faring well against Chelsea in uh, our last five matches. Our last uh, win against them was after a 1-1 draw in the League Cup in September 2020. Otherwise, we have either uh, lost or drawn to them every other time that we face them. So um, that, that's kind of my brief rundown there. How are you guys feeling about this away fixture leg um, of this uh, cup competition? Uh, John? Well, I'm glad that the first leg is away. Um, yes, it's true we haven't done well against Chelsea in the in the past couple of years, but also we haven't played them when Conte's been manager. And I think that's going to make a huge difference. Um, I think we will be uh, fortunate to get a draw away, but I think that that's probably what we're aiming for, and then beat them at home. And I certainly think we can beat them at home. Um I'm not sure at this point whether or not aggregate goals count in this situation. Does Can anybody clarify that one way or the other? Because they're doing some messing around with the aggregate scores in some competitions. But nonetheless, I think overall, I think we've got a good chance of beating Chelsea, getting in the final. Um, and I think it's going, to, it's going to be a very strong team put out this Wednesday. And uh, I look forward to... Uh, I look forward to really giving Chelsea a, a, a good game on Wednesday. And uh, and if we, as I said, we get a draw out of it, then I think we're in uh, we're in really good shape. Yeah, and just to note, uh, before we go to Jeff, like they, they have an easy FA Cup draw as well as we do coming up, which we're going to talk about that next. But they take on Chesterfield away on, on, on Saturday, so they have a sh- day shorter rest coming up to that from this uh, this Wednesday fixture um, for them. Um, so uh, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a good time to play Chelsea. Um, yeah, they Lukaku opened his mouth and set off all this controversy recently. Um, they've got three guys out of contract at the end of the year. There's all kinds of distractions going on about that. Um, their form has dipped uh, lately. So, yeah, this is, to me, this is our chance um, to get them finally. Uh, the only thing that makes me a little worried is, you know, Conte saying that there's two players that we have <clears throat> who are in testing, right, uh, as possible positive COVID um, cases, and we don't know who those two players are. So, I mean, if it's, if it's some big guns, then I'm a lot less positive about it. But um, assuming we don't lose anybody big, um, I think we're in good shape for this one. Tommy? Yeah, uh, so the fact that we more come on Sunday, Chelsea plays Chesterfield on Saturday, I think the fact that we will, A, this affords us to play a better, uh, a, the strongest lineup possible. 
Chelsea, because they have depth and so much talent, they can play some second teamers if they want to, if they don't want to blow us out the water. Um, the fact that they're playing Stanford Bridge, I'm still expecting a loss, and that's what I'm going to predict. Unfortunately, um, just because, I mean, even though we're playing better as a team, we have only one team. We don't have, like, it's like when we played against Paco de Ferreira or uh, Mirror, for example, with a bunch of scrub or a bunch of second teamers. They haven't done well. So we only have one, like, right now we have only one team that can compete. Um, so I don't know. It, if we could, if we can keep this within one goal, I'll gladly take it. So it's just, it, for me, I feel that we, as Spurs fans, have a general idea of we know who's going to play. But Anthony, well, the, the one thing that I wanted to bring up, like with with our home leg next Wednesday, the following Wednesday. Um, that one is a little bit trickier because on the weekend we have Arsenal. Um, uh, so we have two London derbies that, that week. And, and, it, and if we can't work out at least a draw at, at the bridge, then um, it's going to be a really tough week for us with those two real, really tough fixtures um, in the cup competition and at home to Arsenal so uh, so we might have to consider how we how we arrange for this match even with our easy FA Cup fixture this weekend. Uh John? Yeah, I just wanted to clarify I've checked on what the situation is and the changes that away goals will not count double in this fixture. Um if the score is uh tied after uh, the two games it will go immediately to penalties so there will be no uh, no extra time after the first after the second game uh so with that in mind uh i think we've got a good chance of beating chelsea but then as tommy always says i'm the eternal optimist <laughs> yeah well, um, I, I think this is a good place to go to predictions on this one. And let's, uh, st- again, start with Jeff for predictions. Um, I'm going to predict a 2-1 victory. Um, again, depending on who the two guys are that might have COVID. <laughs> uh, but even with that, I'm going to say 2-1 uh, and uh, Kane and Lucas score the goal. I like it. Um, let's go to uh, John next. Okay, I like a 2-1. That's normally my uh, my go-to pick. But I'm going to say 2-2 two, two, uh, with Kane and Son getting the goals. Okay, I like it. Uh, Tommy? I am predicting a 1-2 loss. And, you know, I, and one thing we haven't mentioned, but it's pretty much been seen the last time we beat Chelsea at away, if I remember correctly, was that Easter match in 2015, 2016. I just don't see it. And I don't see that happening again. So, yeah, I'm going to say one, two, and Kane's still not been on fire, but he's still heating up. But I'm going to, so I'll say Sun scores and hopefully the hot and cold, he becomes hot this time. You know, uh, I, I had the same thing on my 
that you had, Tommy, and I'm going to stick with it. Uh, I, I think it's probably the most likely outcome. I think if we're going to win this uh, comp, comp, uh, advance past Chelsea, it's going to happen in our home home leg. Um, and I, I just don't see how we beat them at, at the bridge. Uh, so I am going to say 2-1 as well with our one goal. I'm going to say that this one does come from Harry Kane. Um, I, I think maybe he, it, it might be a penalty, um, but I think the goal comes from Harry Kane. Um, any final thoughts on this uh, Carabao Cup uh, fixture? Um, well, let's move the conversation along to the weekend. Uh, so this, uh, uh, this weekend we do ha- uh, enter the FA Cup, um, and uh, we, we drew uh, Morecambe. Um, at home uh, this Sunday. So we finally get a home fixture in, in the cup, which is nice. Um, that's 8 a.m. And uh, just to give you a sense of where they're at, they're currently in 19th place in League One. So they are, are facing relegation in League One. That's 23 points, six wins, five draws, 13 losses. Um, their current form is is pretty poor. They did beat Doncaster this, this uh, past Sunday, but... Lost prior to that, had a postponement, drew, and then two consecutive losses prior to that. Um, they do play Saturday, uh, so they get a day shorter. Um, uh, they get a whole week off after us, so they can put their their full force against us. Not that that full force is much, um, but that they have a matchup against Wimbledon coming up on Saturday, January 15th. Um, just the only player I'm going to mention for them, uh, there's a player called Cole Stockton. He does have 13 goals for them, so he is uh, scoring a lot. I don't know what that means when when you, it translates to playing a Premier League side, uh, but he is he is their top-rated player as well, so I think he's probably the one guy that we might want to watch out for a little bit. Um, what are you guys thinking on this uh, FA Cup? Uh, John? Yeah, uh, before we get started about the match, I just wanted to talk a little bit about Morecambe. They are beloved by most English people because of their... The person that comes from there who is the most famous is a man called Eric Morecambe, who was a fantastic comedian in his day in the 60s and 70s. In fact, over the Christmas period, they were still showing reruns of his show, Morecambe and Wise, on BBC because people want to see him again. Um and the, I think the most telling thing about Eric Morecambe was that uh, he had at one point he had a heart attack and he was trying to get people's attention that he had a heart attack. But because they knew he was a comedian, they thought he was mucking about. So nobody called an ambulance or anything for a long while because they thought he was just doing a comedy routine, not actually having a heart attack. But uh, And there is a statue of him on the front at Morecambe. Morecambe is a is a town that uh, by the seaside. Um, they're a Division One side. This is a dream, dream draw for them. The chances of them winning this are slim and none. Um, you know, they're going to have a great day out. We're going to put four past them. Everyone's going to be happy, and that'll be the end of the day. So, uh, yeah, Anthony. Uh, well, and I just wanted to jump in because we did have a question from Shubes, and I think you've already started to tackle it somewhat, uh, though I'm probably missing the, 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 the complete reference because uh, 
But Shub's asked if you were on, John, to, to tackle this question. And he says, that does the idea of playing at Shrimp's official, so that's uh, Morecambe, in the FA Cup uh, uh, bring them sunshine in their smile? And will they bring some uh, potted shrimp to uh, uh, to the Atlantic Bar? <laughs> and he said, in loving memory of Eric and Ernie. Um, well, yeah, the um, their signature tune was "Bring Me Sunshine." That was uh, how they would end each episode. It would go a little bit like "Bring Me Sunshine, Bring Me Love," and they would go out with that every time. And uh, hi, Shoops, hope you're feeling better. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't think we can play Morecambe without a reference to Morecambe and Wise, and that, that's why I put it in there. Um, and I'm sure potted shrimp is a favourite uh, at Morecambe because I think they dig them up on the beach out there. So, uh, you know, I think the uh, the overall thing is is more interesting than the game's going to be, quite honestly. But uh, but there we are. I think it's going to be fun. I love this part of the of the FA Cup. If we were playing away, um, those are very very tricky games to play uh, against a League One side. Uh, small grounds sometimes the pitches aren't as good as they are in the Premier League and uh, the other teams more used to playing on them but playing at White Hart Lane no, this is uh, this is nothing to worry about yeah um, well, well thank you for that that context there for Shub's question because I I assumed it was a, a pop culture reference that I was just not going to get so thank you for tackling that one John uh, any other thoughts on this FA Cup match uh, Tommy you know, we kind of echoed this in the past, <clears throat> past 10 minutes or so. I wouldn't be surprised if we had a, a couple of second stringers or even if Ndombele or Lasalso started because, I mean, Morecambe will probably be very physical. But having Ndombele, Lasalso, uh, I don't know, whomever – this will be a good way to showcase them for potential suitors. Uh, So we'll see. I was actually looking at the Morecambe squad, but there's actually two former Spurs youth players uh, for anybody that is interested. It's Jonathan Obika, um, who was a striker, and also Shayon Harrison, who was a striker as well. So that'll be interesting. Hopefully they'll play. Maybe they can play at the new stadium, you know, get a good run out, but wish them well but yeah other than that it'll be very I, I wouldn't be surprised if we like I said played some subs just because to prepare for Chelsea and Arsenal or at least for Chelsea because I mean, depending on the outcome on Wednesday so like if if only down by one goal or if we're tied it's we full out I would assume it'd be full out to be Chelsea on Wednesday I really don't know what Conte's endgame is just because it could be similar to Pochettino where he doesn't care about cups, especially right now because of the current status of the squad. But, yeah. John, you had your hand up? Yeah. Traditionally, um, when you play a small side, you're expected to put your first team out. Um, it's a, uh, I think it's something that the, pl- that the players from the small team want to say. They played against Harry Kane, Son, that kind of player. Um, but if we score a couple of goals quickly, which I think we will, I think we'll pull them off and, um, you know, substitute them in 
Uh, but I don't see us starting a lot of non-regulars. Maybe a couple. I mean, he's got rotation in there, certainly. But, uh, you know, I can see Roden getting on and, um, and Dembele, as you say. Uh, maybe Wink starting. But yeah, that's I mean, pretty much a first team anyway. Yeah, or depending on how big of a slar it is, might even see Jack Clark. I'm not going to put money on that, but, you know, might as well put them on. Like, I forget who we played against, but, like, I think it was Crystal Palace, right, where Harry Kane came off on the 60th minute. So the fact that Conte won't do it, it's it's not it's not outside the realm of the possibility. Anthony? Well, I, I do think that we have to consider a strong rotation, uh, like uh, uh, obviously honoring the team that you're playing is is something that England takes seriously. But we have to look at those upcoming fixtures, and we're going to have Chelsea again midweek, and then Arsenal on the, on the following week, following weekend. Um, and I think we have to think about heavily rotating and, and giving some of the, we have some players that aren't playing very many minutes right now that are very good players that, that should still be able to handle this team. And, and still it would be uh, uh, an honor for them to play against. Um, and, and and we can probably have a, a spat, uh, just a little splattering of uh, of some of the the the, the real cream prime uh, prime first team in there. Uh, or at least give them a few minutes to to be able to, to to face, and they can say that they played Harry Kane for 15 minutes or whatever at the end. Uh, but I think we do have to rotate pretty heavily here. Uh, Jeff? Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of rotation. Um, it's, once again, unfortunate for Bergwijn, because originally I thought this would be a game where he would feature heavily um, and get more chance to get back on track. But apparently from Conte's press conference, um, he's going to be injured and miss it. Although Sessegnon will be back, and I would assume Sessegnon will start this game at left back. Yeah, I, yeah, I think this has to be a one for Sessegnon if he doesn't play um, against Chelsea, which I think is still feasible. Conte seems to seem to uh, favor him a, a little bit before his uh, injury came. Like uh, you know, he was getting some some minutes there um, and was looking good. Um, so I, I think we could, we, we have a happy little rotation there. Um, John? Yeah, I was just going to follow up on what Tommy was saying. Obika, who last played for us in 2014, um, he's a local lad too. He grew up in Enfield. So I'm sure uh, he'll be getting a lot of tickets for his family for the game. Uh, having said this, Morecambe is his uh, 12th team in seven years. So... He's been around, as they say, but I'm sure he'll get a good welcome back at the lane. Yeah, def- definitely. I'm sure. I'm sure. Like when, when when it's a squad like this, that's what I always do like about these competitions. There, there's no no real grudges against a, a squad like this, so it's always uh, a, a, f- a fun day and respectful <laughs> competition. So it it really is kind of a cool day. Uh, but any uh, final thoughts before we go to prediction? Okay, well, let's uh, start oh. with Jeff. Um, oh, did you have something, Tommy? Oh, I was just going to say, um, since it's a League One side, let's just get out of this injured or uninjured, and then <laughs> yeah. uh, let's move, and then we'll worry about the rest later. Yeah, the health of the squad is very important right now because of the lack of depth. So, fingers crossed. Yeah, and I do think that's something you always have to wa- watch for, not by any intentional 
Uh, but but when you, you're so much better than the competition, like sometimes they just make dumb tackles because they're uh, um, they don't realize that they're beat. It's just like uh, that that separation in levels can lead to some some uh, fouls that can lead to injuries. So that's what we do have to be careful of. So good shout there, Tommy. Uh, let's start with Jeff for predictions. Um, I'm going to predict five nothing because I keep predicting that and it hasn't happened yet. So I'm going to stick with it until it does. Um, I think Delhi and Domble Sessignon all score, and I think Dean Scarlett gets a run out and uh, scores as well. And the last one I'm going to say is an own goal because own goal was our leading scorer for a while this year. Uh, I think he will make a reappearance. I, I like it. Let's go to John next. Well, I think we're going to win 4 0. Who's going to score is a mystery, of course, to everybody. I'm going to say Kane and Son are going to get two. And then let's say uh, Skip and Sessignon get the other two. I like it. Um, uh, Tommy? Sorry, I'm just typing this out. Um, you know what? I'll be less optimistic. I'll say we'll win 3 0, but I'll be very comfortable. Hopefully we score these goals early and say we're up 2-3-0 by 60th minute. Kane gets a goal. Sun gets a goal. They get off They get off the pitch at 60-65 minute. Um, and then let's give Bergvine a shout. And then let's, let's hopefully he gets a goal. I think he's hurt, Tommy. Oh, cripes. I forgot about that. Um... Let's give LaCelso. I'll just choose LaCelso, even though I have no idea if he'll play or not. Um, okay, I I think um, it's going to be 4-1. Um, I think Ndombele does play, and he gets a goal here. Um, I think Sessegnon plays and gets a goal. I am going to give one to, to Winks. And I'm going to say that maybe Lucas, like a late sub, gets one as well. So that's those are my four goal scorers there. Um, any final thoughts on this uh, Morecambe match before we uh, 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 finalize things? Uh, John, you have one final thought? Yeah, I've just got one, one last thought, and that is normally we'd be talking about Scarlett getting in the team, but um, I don't know if he's recovered from injury yet. But... Uh, if he has and they put him on, I think he's a good shout for a goal. Yeah, I could see that. But, yeah, I wasn't sure about his availability, which is why I didn't pick him for this one. Um, well, uh, let's have some final thoughts on just the episode. So the week that was, so we, these two previews, like we have an open window right now. Um, we, we're still undefeated in the Premier League since Conte came on board. Um and uh, we had this kind of uh, uh, last-minute Watford victory. Uh, um, what are your final thoughts on this week that was? And let's uh, let's let Jeff tackle this first because nobody's lighting up the... Because uh... <laughs> <laughs> nobody raised their hand. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, being unbeaten in eight under Kante is still, you know, a great achievement. Um yeah, hopefully we can keep it going forward in the league. Um, since we don't count the Mura game is <laughs> real. Um, so, uh, you yeah, know, hopefully we take it to Chelsea 
um, and win an FA Cup game um, and then get back to the league and continue the unbeaten streak. I like it. I like it. Uh, John? Yeah, I think we're on the on the verge of something great here. Um, I think uh, we've got a great squad. We're going to improve it. I think Conte's absolutely the manager that we need. They're doing the right thing. And uh, we're... We're really on the verge of uh, of greatness, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Great, and Tommy, um, I'm not as optimistic as John, of course, but uh, I mean, we still have a lot to play for. We got Chelsea FA Cup, and then uh, Morecambe, or I mean, Chelsea and League Cup FA Cup. We got Morecambe. Um, we still got what two games in hand for the league. My only hope is let's get out of this unscathed. Uh, we're probably going to make up what those two games in January or February. So, and we're not in the conference league. So, hopefully, we get a player or two. Um, I don't know how we can sustain a full squad barring. I mean, if, if we can sustain this squad, a without barring players and no injuries, that's that that'll be a miracle beyond belief. But let's just take this one match at a time. Um, prepare for the worst, but hope for the best and bring it on. I like it. Well, th- great conversation today. Thank you so much to Tommy, John and Jeff for being on this week, but that about wraps up the episode. So thanks to Tommy for editing and sound today, Charlie for the music, Kevin for social media, uh, which the, uh, Sam is going to be taking over social media uh, soon. So th- uh, thanks to Sam for that moving forward, uh, Kimberly for the logo. And as always the Atlantic far and grill, uh, definitely come out to matches there. Um, they are offering PCR COVID tests uh, in bar um, for matches. Uh, uh, you'll get your results about uh, 24 to 48 hours later. Um, so if you want to be tested uh, while, while you're coming out to watch the match, uh, but definitely have your vaccination card with you because that is now uh, a requirement in Chicago. So uh, you will need to have at least a photo of your, your vaccination card to come out. Um, uh, find our merchandise at Big Head Media. Find us now both on Spotify and Stitcher. Hit the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes if you like our podcasts or give us a review wherever you get podcasts. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at 4 Stars Spurs and our website at 4starspurs.com. Come on, you Spurs.